Thanks for joining us here at Thrive Church. We're a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. For more information, go to our website, www.thrivechurch.co.za. What a wonderful time of worship and ministry. This is definitely the most awake of all the three services. Well done, guys. Welcome back, Pastor Byron and Pastor Candice. We're great to have you back here. I don't know what they're doing here. They should be jet-lagged, you know, to come from Australia to come here. It's very, very difficult. So a woman sends her husband a text on a very cold winter morning, and the text reads, windows frozen won't open. And he sends a text back to her saying, use some lukewarm water on the edges and tap gently with a hammer. And about 15 minutes later, she sends him another message. Computer totally destroyed. <laughs> That's called communication where they're on the, on the wrong wavelength. And so we don't want to be on the wrong wavelength tonight. We want to be on the same wavelength. Not like that. So... We need God to help us, to give us wisdom, to give us revelation. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to stand and put one hand on your mind and one hand on your heart, and I'm going to pray over us today. Father, your word says that whatever we ask in your name, you will do it. And this afternoon, Lord, we ask you to touch our minds and touch our hearts Give us wisdom, give us revelation that we will know Jesus better and what Jesus has done for us and the victory that we have accomplished through the cross of Christ. Bless us, Lord, open our lives and help us to be receptive to what you have for us today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. So as we head into the final few weeks leading up to, uh, through Lent, leading up to Easter, we're starting a series called Victory Once for All. That's what Easter is about, Victory Once for All. And so I would like to start this series off with a topic of my own, which is called How to Live a Victorious Life. Anybody here want to live a victorious life? One, two, three. Okay, it's wonderful. We all want to live a victorious life. And so we'll go through and see the victorious life that Christ has accomplished for each one of us. So far too many Christ followers do not really know or understand what transpired on the cross. They know that Jesus died for them and he died for our sins, but do they know the full extent of what happened at the cross of Calvary? Everything that happened at the cross of Calvary was done so that we could live a victorious life. When we fully understand the benefits that were passed on to us through Christ's suffering and his death, only then will we be able to live 
the victorious life. And the scripture says that my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And tonight we don't want to have a lack of knowledge. We want to have all the knowledge so that we can live this victorious life. So, you know, two weeks' time we're going to have Good Friday. And it's called Good Friday. Because it was a good Friday for you and for me and for this world. What happened on the cross was good for us. So let's keep building towards the Easter weekend. So what happened on the cross gives us the victory on that Good Friday. So let's have a look at a picture of Calvary. And Calvary is not what you imagined it to be. So here comes the picture of Calvary. And on your right-hand side, you'll see two eyes on the side. And there's a nose and there's a mouth underneath it. It's called the place of the skull. So when we go to Israel, we go to Calvary. It's not what you imagined in the pictures where there was a hill far away and three crosses on this beautiful grassland. It was the place of the skull, which was just outside the city of of Jerusalem, and where the people got crucified, they were crucified in the street with that as the backdrop. That was the backdrop. And at every day, people could come up to the place where people were being crucified, and they would throw stones and throw stuff at them and blaspheme them, and because it was the death of a criminal. And people would do just that. So, let's look, at, let's look at the scripture in John 19, 17 to 18. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which, is, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him with two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. So I mentioned it was just outside the city. And once Jesus was crucified, they took him, which was nearby. There was a garden, and there's a garden tomb, and that's going to come up as well. And that's the garden tomb that is just outside the city where they did the crucifixions. That is one of the most inspiring places to go to in Israel where you have such a spiritual upliftment because there is something so special about what happened over there. And so we're able to go into the tomb and see what has happened. So Calvary and the tomb is such a special place in Israel. And so, so while Jesus hung on that cross, he made a number of statements that were very significant to our living a victorious life. So we're going to go through some of these statements, and I'm just going to delve on them as I move into what happened at the cross. And the first thing that Jesus said while he was hanging on that cross was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That was a total shock to everyone because no one ever who was crucified ever forgave anyone 
all they ever did was swear at the soldiers, blaspheme, and pass out curses because of the agony and the pain that they went through. And when he cried out, Father, forgive them, the soldier beat his chest and he said, surely this has to be the Son of God because no one had ever done such a thing from the cross. So what happens is on the cross, Jesus forgave every person of their sins. All they need to do now is say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place. And then two criminals were crucified next to Jesus, one on his left and one on his right. And the one on the left said to him, if you are the son of God, save yourself and save us. And the other criminal on the right rebuked him. He says, we deserve what we're getting, but this man is innocent. And then he turned to Jesus and he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today, you will be with me in paradise. Wow. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Why? Because he accepted and the other criminal rejected. Where do we find ourselves? Have we accepted or have we rejected? Let's look at the scripture in, in um, John 3.36. It'll come up on the screen. Let's read it together. On the count of three, one, two, three. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Clear as daylight. You accept or reject. There's no other way. The moment we accept, Jesus says, Today, you will be with me in paradise. How wonderful is that? So the next thing that happened while Jesus was on the cross was darkness descended over all the earth. From 12 o'clock till 3 o'clock, total darkness. Total darkness. And in the midst of that darkness... Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For the first time in eternity past, until that day, Jesus and God had never been separated. But what happened on that day? Jesus took the sin of mankind upon himself. And God turned his back on sin and on Jesus. 
The next thing that happened from the cross is Jesus said, I am thirsty. Note that Jesus had not eaten or drunk anything from the night before at the Last Supper. And he was persecuted, he was whipped, he bled, he was dehydrated. And at about that time, he cried out, I am thirsty. And the fact that Jesus could cry out, I am thirsty, depicted his humanity. Because God is not thirsty, but man is thirsty. And this depicted Jesus' humanity. Because only a human can die. God cannot die. But in John 4, Jesus said, I am the living water. But that day, in his humanity, he died on that cross. He was thirsty. And then the next thing that took place As he hung there, he said, it is finished, which means paid in full, tetelestai. Those three words, it is finished, are a declaration of victory. And the people there would have known what it meant because in the Jewish culture, For example, if A.B. owed Jaime 100,000 rand, Jaime would take a note, and he would put the note on A.B.'s door stating that A.B. is indebted to Jaime for 100,000 rand for everyone to see. But A.B.'s got a very rich relative, a kingsman redeemer. It's called a kingsman. And he would come past and he'd see that note on the door. And then he'd go to Jaime and he would give him the 100,000 rand and go back to A.B.'s house and take the note and fold it and nail it to the door and right across there, it is finished. Paid in full. That's what Jesus did for us on the cross. So Jesus uses a very unusual sentence syntax. Correct grammar grammar would have been, it has been finished. Yet Jesus deliberately comprises his grammar to declare that the effect of his sacrifice is for all time. For all time. His sacrifice is for us now as it it was for them. Jesus had completed his mission he had come for. It was completed to perfection. He had poured out his life even unto death. He made it possible for sinful humanity to have an eternal relationship with the holy God. Nothing needs to be added. No good works, no more sacrifices. This was the greatest victory in the human race, victory over sin and death. The sin of mankind had been paid in full. 
Jesus became our kinsman redeemer. He redeemed us from the curse and the penalty of sin. And we love that passage in John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. At that very moment, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, indicating that it had to be torn by God. And the reason why it was torn is God was showing us that now there is a way for you and I and for humanity to come right into the very presence of God and call him Abba Father. Abba Father. That curtain separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And only once a year could the high priest go behind the curtain on the day of atonement and put blood on the mercy seat to atone for the sins of the people of Israel once a year. But when Jesus died, that curtain was torn so that we can go into the presence of God our Father. Amen. And the most important thing that came out of that is now everyone could call God Father. Whereas in the Jewish race, no one ever dared to call God their Father. And Jesus made a way for us to do just that. And then the last thing that he said was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus commanded his spirit to leave his body and go back to God. He spoke, and this flabbergasted the soldiers. Never had they seen anyone who commanded their spirit to leave their body. And then his body was taken and placed in a tomb with a stone rolled in front of it. I've shared this with you to give you an order of events. Now I'm going to share with you the victory that was accomplished as a result of this from the cross. Because on this cross, a great exchange took place. So when Jesus hung on the cross, the Lord visited him with the iniquity and the rebellion of us all. Jesus took all the consequences of our guilt upon him that we might be free from the evil consequences and receive the benefits of the righteousness of Jesus. And so we're going to look at some of these exchanges, but we're first going to look at a scripture, and I'm going to ask you to read with me in Isaiah 53, verses 4 to 6. This was prophesied 600 years before it happened. Let's read it together on the count of three. One, two, three. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. 
but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah prophesied what was going to happen. Isaiah prophesied all of this, and it came to pass. So there are a number of exchanges that took place, and the first one deals with punishment and forgiveness. So Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. He took the punishment that we deserved, and he forgave us. And all we need to do is say, thank you. The second one deals with his body being broken so that ours may be healed. Jesus was wounded so that we might be healed. Jesus was whipped with a whip. It's called a cat of nine tails. And that whip had nine strands. And in those strands was tied bone and metal, and every time they whipped Jesus, he had nine lashes in one, and it would penetrate into his body, and when they pulled it out, it ripped the flesh from his body, and he did this for 39 times, 39 times nine, do the math, that's a lot of Whipping, And so his body was broken. Many years ago, I read this story. It says that there are 39 root causes of sickness and disease. And each one has like nine tails, like measles, German measles, chicken pox, shingles. And Jesus paid for every one of those sicknesses. And that is why the word says, by his stripes... We have been healed. The third one. Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness so that we may be made righteous with his righteousness. Let's read 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How wonderful was that? What an exchange. He took our sin so that we can take his righteousness. Wow. The next exchange has to deal with the wages of sin. The wages of sin is death. Or we can say the penalty of sin is death. Jesus tasted death for us so that we may share his life. Wow. Romans 6.23. Let's read that together. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So every one of these exchanges was for our benefit. Every one of these things we should have been going through, but by the grace of God and by faith in him, because we've accepted him that belongs to us. 
The next exchange has to do with the curse. In Deuteronomy 21, verse 22 to 23, it says, anyone who is hung on a cross is under God's curse. So Jesus was made a curse so that we can receive the blessing. So let's read Galatians together on the count of three. Join me, help me here. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. You know how many times I counsel Christians who say to me, I think I'm under a curse. I think I've been cursed. And I have to show them that the scripture and ask him, have you accepted Jesus? If you have, he took the curse so that the blessing of God can come upon our lives. So Christians, we cannot be living under a curse. If you want to live under the curse, that's your problem. But I'm living under the blessing. I don't know about you. So dying on the cross, Jesus became a curse. He was made a visible curse so that we might receive Abraham's blessings. So when we accept what Jesus did for us and receive him into our hearts and our lives as our personal savior, the blessings of obedience become our inheritance just as they were Abraham's. The scripture says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So when we believe and accept what Jesus did for us, it is credited to us as righteousness. Righteousness means that we are now in right standing with God. That's what righteousness, we're standing with God. The next exchange that took place was Jesus endured our poverty so that we may share his abundance. So let's read this from 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. You didn't know that was there, did you? God wants us to enjoy the riches of his grace, the riches of his blessings. We need to be walking in the blessings of God. So from this we see that Jesus became poor so that we may share in his abundance. That is why the scripture says in Philippians 4.19 that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God does not want us, his children, to live on the lower level of blessing. So God provides his abundance so that we might live on the higher level of his blessing so that we can be blessed to be a blessing. And then Jesus endured our shame that we might share his glory. So when they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. 
So when people were crucified those days, they were crucified naked. Naked for all to see. It was a shame to all of them as they hung on that cross and people would jeer at them and mock them and so on. And then the scripture says that there were women there and they stood at a distance because they did not want to observe the shame that was upon Jesus. Now, shame is a very bad thing. Many people are shamed. One of the deepest shames and wounds of shame come when children, boys and girls, are sexually abused. And that shame stays with them forever. It is very hard for them to overcome that shame. It hinders their progress. And that is why we need to share the word of God with them that Jesus took their shame so they may receive his glory. So if anybody is suffering from that shame, remember that Jesus took an exchange for you. He did a great exchange. He took the shame upon him that you may share in his glory. What a wonderful exchange at the cross. And then the last exchange I want to share with you. Jesus endured our rejection so that we may have or might have his acceptance. Let's read uh, Matthew 27. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When Jesus cried out that, <clears throat> his heart was broken because God turned his back on Jesus. God rejected him because he had become sin. And God turned his back on Jesus as he became sin. Another mark of rejection is the incapability to express love. It takes, it takes love to express love. The most common form of rejection comes from, from attitudes and conducts of parents. Even a baby in its mother's womb can feel rejection if that mother does not want that child. That child can feel it. They grow up with a spirit of rejection. And so rejection is real. But Jesus was rejected so that we may be accepted. So many people suffer from rejection because of a bad father image or an absent father. Jesus died of a broken heart because his father rejected him. So Jesus was rejected so that we could be accepted. If you've been going through rejection, just know 
the exchange took place at the cross. Jesus took that rejection so that you and me, we can be accepted. How wonderful is that? So today, if we have battled in any of these eight areas, know that Jesus paid the price for them so that we could have the victory. That is what I meant, that we do not know the full extent of what transpired on the cross that day. The great exchange that took place for you and me so that we could live a life of victory. And so as we move into the Easter season, and let's know that we live a victorious life. So we're going to go over these exchanges again, but this time I'd like us to do it and make it personal. Okay, and we're going to read them together because I want you to receive it into your spirit. I want to go through your mind and into your spirit. So on the count of three, one, two, three. Jesus was punished so that I might be forgiven. Jesus was wounded so that I might be healed. Jesus was made sin with my sinfulness so that I might be made righteous with his righteousness. Jesus died my death so that I might share his life. Jesus was made a curse for me so that I might receive his blessings. Jesus endured my poverty so that I might share in his abundance. Jesus endured my shame so that I might share in his glory. Jesus endured my rejection so that I might have his acceptance. Has that helped you today? Have you received that into your spirit? Have you received that? So to everyone sitting here, you have just heard what Jesus has done for us and the victory that was accomplished on the cross. This victory is available to each one of us now if we are willing to accept what Jesus did for us on the cross when he said, it is finished, paid in full. Every sin and shortfall has been paid for by Jesus for us. All you have to do is accept it as a gift of God. Just as the criminal on the cross did by saying, thank you, thank you in prayer. This message was recorded live at Thrive Church. We hope that it inspired you to move towards Jesus.